Well, hi there, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Jeff Luke, and our guest today is Sam Heller. Sam, you may recall, joined us for the podcast earlier this year, and I caught up with Sam about a week ago, and he said, you know what, we should do another one of those podcasts, only this time I'll interview you. Awesome idea, so we made it happen. And we got together and had a conversation on a whole wide variety of subjects, things to give each of us and hopefully many of you some ideas and inspiration for the year to come. So without further ado, enjoy. Okay, we are live. Uh, about, I think it was probably a year ago, Jeff Luke interviewed interviewed me, Sam Heller, and I thought, or we, we thought that it might be a cool idea to switch it around and have me interview him so that that is what we are doing right now and to start out i will ask this question that i i really like i've asked people this before and it, it usually has has some good answers what what things do you most look forward to doing on a day-to-day basis I like things that I've never done before and that offer a challenge or I have to figure something out. Uh, what what could the, what would an, an example of that be? All right. Um so uh I was uh I was downtown Seattle a few weeks ago and uh, I was at Facebook, they have a downtown office and they had this wall and it was a like a green wall it had all these plants growing on it. And to me, that just seemed like a really cool thing. I'd never really seen a wall covered with plants. So I uh, I thought, how would I do it? And I just did a little research, and I bought this like hanging uh, holder. I don't know how else to yeah. put it, but where you can actually plant plants inside of it and grow it. And I just like the idea that you could bring the outdoors inside your house maybe uh, improve the amount of oxygen, natural oxygen creation in the house, and then make something beautiful. But I like like seeing something and then thinking, hey, how could I replicate that? Or how could and then sometimes in the process of doing it, you come up with something that's, you know, you hadn't seen before. So maybe make it even better. Man, I, I really like that. That's awesome. Both like, uh, I think that's so cool. I've always been just like from a personal note, I've always been fascinated by those living walls. Like yesterday, my dad and I went to the uh, the sun shop. Oh, you went there? Yeah. I'm planning on going there today. Yeah, it's great nice. in Fremont. And uh, yeah, there's just something about indoor plants. Like you said, they do you know improve the air quality. And uh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, and they make like you feel better too when you see them. There's yeah. something about bringing nature closer to you. Yeah, they've actually they've found that that patients in hospitals with with windows that look out on natural scenery, they actually heal more quickly mm-hmm. than uh, than patients without windows. So yeah, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, and just that that learning learning new things. I feel like that's such a such a a dying a dying habit in our culture today. I mean, I guess you could maybe maybe make the argument that something like going on Facebook or Instagram is in quotes learning new things, but that's really not not hard knowledge. There's no there's really no effort taking that in. I just love the fact that you you go for it and you actually have that project and you, you follow through and make, make something physical. It's not just digital because there's so, so much to be said for working with your hands and actually creating something that you can look at every day. That, yeah, that's awesome. What, um, what, what pattern have you noticed recently in yourself in other people or in the world in general 
that has influenced your thinking or behavior. And for, for example, I noticed that I noticed about a month ago that if I, if I take a day off practicing something, say I, I um, am like learning how to play the guitar right now, or uh, uh, last year I was like learning how to juggle or practicing juggling and like trying to improve that. Often if I'd been practicing for a couple days in a row and felt like I was stuck, if I took one day off practice, then I would notice an improvement. It's sort of like my mind had a bit of time to rest and maybe consciously I wasn't thinking about the, t- the skill as much, but then sub- subconsciously I was and that there was a little improvement. So can, can you think of a pattern like that that you've noticed? Uh, Let's see, as far as patterns go, I think, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for seeing something with fresh eyes. And I think that's what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. If you're uh, doing something many days in a row, sometimes it almost becomes like you have to do it. You feel compelled to get better at it, Mm -hmm. as opposed to like uh, the first time if you were a kid and somebody said, hey, why don't you try this? You might have this like excitement about it and not feel stuck. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a like a job. Like a much. job. Yeah. yeah I'll, like yesterday, I was um, I was in California. I was with family. We were there for Thanksgiving, and one of the rituals in their neighborhood is every Saturday they get together and they have like a bocce ball. The grown ups and the kids play bocce ball, but it's mostly just a an excuse to get together. Everybody brings along their little you know travel mug with coffee in it, and they have some crackers and cheese and cake and they just put it out on a picnic table mm-hmm. and anyways they um they invited me to play bocce ball i'd never played before and um some of them were really serious like you could tell they had really nice quality bocce balls and they had strategies and the wow. adults were really into it kids loved it too but i tried it and it was like fun and i had a few questions about like technique for how to get the large ball closer to the little and uh i found like i was pretty good at it right Mm -hmm. off the bat you know it was like beginner's luck i'm sure but also just a certain amount of hand-eye coordination and so anyways i just thought like i got from zero experience and zero competency up to pretty good inside of like an hour and i it was a great feeling to just dive into something and so i that's a good reminder in a game like that, that in life you should also have that kind of excitement and newness and fun and also that feeling like you're getting better quickly. And yeah. I think that, you know, to answer your question, I think that sometimes when we get really into something where we're trying to learn and trying to progress, sometimes we get a little bit stuck and we don't even realize it. Yeah. So I think anything you can do to kind of make it a game or make it fun or, as you said, maybe like leave it for a day or two and come back to it helps. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I love that. I, I think, uh, yeah, just that, that lack of that lack of experience, you know, there's that concept of, of beginner's mind and it's before yeah. you developed any, like I noticed yesterday I, I went to the golf driving range and I've played golf for a long time, but probably haven't been coached as frequently as I should have been. So my swing has these these problems with it, mm-hmm. and it's weird how these are so ingrained into my consciousness. Whereas if you come at something with that something that you've never done before, you don't have that that almost mental residue that's accumulated after 
after practicing it and getting these these things grooved into your consciousness that you don't really want to be grooved in. So yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, I uh, I was in Brazil and I was photographing and living and learning alongside this heart surgeon, uh, Doctor Batista, and he used to go out on the farm. Uh, we'd call it more like a ranch because he had a lot of horses there and other kind of animals, and he used to like cutting the hair of the horses uh-huh. they they would uh trim their tail and their manes and all in preparation for mating season because i guess it facilitated the horse's ability to breed easily or maybe it maybe it was just an appearance thing but he would use these special horse shearing scissors and he was like a meditation he'd spend you know four or five hours out there cutting the horse's toenails cutting their hair and uh he he said that sometimes while he was cutting using the scissors, he was thinking about how he might be cutting the heart muscle uh-huh. when he was doing the heart surgery. Uh-huh. So he said that sometimes just in the times when he was relaxing and enjoying the horses, he his brain was actually coming up with new ways of doing something he'd been doing a lot in the past. So I think his main thing in life was whenever you have a problem or something you're struggling with, ask your brain a question because he feels like the brain is like this supercomputer mm-hmm. and most of it is operating on a level that we can't really access that easily with our conscious minds yeah. but the unconscious part is really powerful yeah. so he would say ask your brain a question ask yourself a question and then just forget about it like don't worry about the answer and just go do something else where you're open You know, don't be so occupied or so busy that you can't get the answer. But your brain will work on things, and it might take a day or two days or three days. But some point later, if you're open to the answer, it'll come to you. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I I was thinking about that yesterday. It was not not some big profound experience. Well, maybe it was, but in the context, it didn't seem. It was just I was just trying to remember something that I had. Um, that I, I I looked at my phone and wanted to type something in, and then something distracted me from what I wanted to type into the search bar. And I was trying to remember it, trying to remember it consciously. And then for a second, I, I, or, or, and then I just kind of gave up. And then after about a minute of sitting there, it just came back to me mm-hmm. immediately. And it's always interesting to see when that happens. Like like the I feel like we we almost get get in the way in our in our own way so often with that that conscious versus the unconscious and there's an interesting little example that that came to mind of a very like direct example of that happening and how how people have actually found a way of getting sort of getting their conscious out of the way and that's that with this um transcranial direct stimulation where they take they basically use i think it's a magnet or like a magnetic field to knock out activity in the prefrontal cortex. And the prefrontal cortex is your, that's your conscious self. That is your, your planning, decision making. When you're having like a mental conversation with yourself, that's activity in the prefrontal cortex. And then they've used that, uh, transcranial stimulation to knock that out. And they found that the acquisition of motor skills is it goes through the roof if you knock that out. They use that with Navy SEALs and it's like there isn't that, that calculate as opposed to like for example taking a golf swing 
or maybe throwing a bowling ball. <clears throat> there isn't that. There's none of the calculating. There's none of the uh, consciousness of, oh, well, my elbow should be taking this path or keep your left arm straight. It, it just turns it into a more, I mean, I've never done it, so I can't speak with authority, but I'd imagine, and from accounts, it sounds like you, you, it's more of just a feeling thing as opposed mm-hmm. to a, a linguistic analysis of what you're doing. You just, you're, you're a lot more in the moment and you don't have that, that mental conversation happening mm-hmm. with yourself. And they, I think the, the improvement rate is something like, like 400% in terms of the speed at which people who've had that prefrontal cortex deactivated the, the speed at which they acquire these skills that they're, mm-hmm. they're trying to acquire. So that's, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. When I, I when I teach people tennis, I have, uh, I've been trying to kind of hone and improve how I teach it because, yeah. um, you know, learning a new skill, especially for an adult, it can be really, um, stressful if you don't get it right. And you yeah. feel all these emotions like, Oh, why can't I hit the ball better? Or why am I not more skilled or what should I be doing differently? Is a question I think a lot of adults ask, whereas a kid learning something for the first time, isn't having that kind of mental back and forth with themselves. Yeah. Like, why am I messing up or uh-huh. why can't I do this right? Yeah. And so what I've, found really works well and i mean it's incredible how much of an improvement people have when they're learning tennis is that i will conduct part of the lesson where i'm not telling them or instructing using words and i think if you can just show somebody uh, a shot uh, by example hit a ball three times and use the the right technique then give them the chance to do it but don't offer any like any suggestion or or tell them like oh good job you know nicely done or but just like have quiet time have you read the inner game of tennis by timothy galway i have the book and i've read certain chapters and they've totally resonated so i can see how that would be a big part of it Yeah. yeah and um I'm sure that applies to a lot of things in life, too. And if you look at the way kids learn, it's very experimental. And if you show a young person how to do something, they will imitate it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the words are not important. If you told, you know, someone who was, say, five years old how to do something using words and you use, like, a hundred words, I don't think those words would actually have any effect on that. Yeah. And, and, uh, but I do think that a good demonstration, you know, and having your technique solid so that it's not varying a lot, you know, you've got to be good at what you're doing if you're going to teach it. But yeah, man, that, that's great. I love, it's funny because he, Timothy Galway, the, the author of that book, says the exact same thing about just showing, showing the motion. And then, you know, we, we all have these mirror neurons that, that activate the, the same, when, when you see someone smile, the same, neural pathways activate inside you like you feel the urge to smile as well and it's the same thing that they've shown that that athletes play better if they watch a game like it it doesn't really work if you don't have a bit of practice in the game but as soon as you say if a a pro football player watched a football game they their mirror neurons will activate as they watch other players going through the motions that Mm -hmm. they frequently go through and it's it's like a, a way of practicing that. That's really absolutely that's cool. yeah. And I I remember when I started playing tennis, my serve was so hard, so soft. It was just like a little powder puff, just <laughs> just tapping the ball so it would go over and land in. And I'm not exaggerating how bad it was. It was it was like any kind of beginning tennis player. You're just yeah. very afraid, very careful. Anyways, I watched. Um, 
YouTube had just come out and like there were some serving videos, Pete Sampras and others. And I remember watching those serve videos and um, I think I had like, this is before the iPhone, but I think I had a little video iPod and I could bring it to the tennis courts and watch that a few times and then go and serve. Mm -hmm. And it's just incredible having that visual example and then my serving got so much better within a month or two of just yeah. doing that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I, I love stuff like that. Little, little. And I think that anecdotes about learning are just like I, I find that end, endlessly fascinating. Just the ways that people, because I, I, I feel like I didn't didn't do too much learning when I when I was younger. Like <clears throat> I was just kind of a, a sit around kid, you know, read read fantasy books, not really do too much with myself. And I think that made a bit of a inferiority complex inside myself. So now I really like, I'm trying to compensate for that by, by learning as much as I can, but it's really tough. You know, it's so easy to get blocked or, or feel like you're not making any progress. So just little, little things like that. I I find that so valuable. Mm. Yeah. What, what do you, this is a, a bit of a tangent, but, um, but what, what do you think is are are some some problems with the world that aren't frequently that aren't discussed as much as they should be you know like everyone everyone these days is talking about how global warming is a problem or how donald trump is a problem or how how people spend too much time on social media or watch tv too much but can you can you think of any more subtle things that subtle problems that you think deserve more attention well I'll just I'll tell you something that I notice a lot and just being aware of it kind of changed my view on things and that you know it seems like they're part of the world that's really good at creating content and by content it could be any idea bringing anything from the mind or the imagination to reality and then you have the other side of the world that's consuming content and I think you know a lot of people do both. Like we create something, we make maybe create make a really nice meal, or we shoot a video or take some pictures, which is creating. But I think that most people these days, well, it's it's hard to generalize. But I think that it's so easy now with Netflix and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat to kind of be automatically almost a default setting for. Um, for a lot of people who are plugged into the internet is to consume content. And so I think it's, you know, it's a kind of subtle thing, but you can live your life where you're leaning towards, you know, keeping up with the new shows and watching. And, you know, I I think Tim Ferriss actually talks about this a lot because he's written so many books helping people learn. And I think at one point somebody asked him, like, what's the one? Yeah, he was in Seattle this spring and someone said what's the one piece of advice you'd give to people and he said just stop reading about doing stuff stop you know asking for advice and just do and so i think that that's the one thing that it's really subtle and and for me when i notice the difference between consuming content and creating content i real you know you have to ask yourself like consciously like well where do i want to fit and you know, if I'm watching Netflix for, you know, even just one hour a day, but I'm doing that three days or four days a week, that's four hours, five hours maybe that, you know, you're not doing something else. Yeah. 
And so, um, and that kind of ties into another thing that I've just been thinking about lately, which is that, you know, people who are really good at stuff, they obsess about that thing. And I think in a lot of ways, there's a common undercurrent about this, like leading a balanced life. And, and I feel like, you know, if you think about anyone who you really admire, like a, you know, like a, an inventor or a creator, someone who started their own business or is just doing something amazing, they probably don't have a super balanced life where they're doing a little bit of everything. But I kind of have started to really admire people who can be really focused on something. And it's not easy to like sit in one spot, you know, for two hours and yeah, think yeah. about something or write about something. But if you look at, you know, Elon Musk or Steve Jobs or Warren Buffett or whatever, all of these people spend a lot of time focused on on moving something forward in the real world. Man, I, it's amazing hearing you say that because I feel like every every sentence that came out of your mouth was a thought that I have had in the past. And I, I just like one of the I think the best things about the best experiences you can have as a human being is to hear that someone else has had the same thought that you had. <laughs> right. And it's right. just so true, man. I can't, I can't believe how, like, like if you look at the, at the, the mental state, if you compare the mental state, the states that you go through as you are producing something, and the states that you go through as you are consuming something, it's almost exactly the opposite. Because whenever I sit down to produce and be creative, and, and as opposed to taking in the world, take like taking in the outside world, taking what's in me and then putting it out. Like, and it could be anything, you know, like the, the difference between reading a book and playing a guitar is black and white. You know, th those are two completely different activities. And when you start, when you start taking in content, when you start watching a movie, it, there's that relief and it's just so easy and it feels so good to just not, not be thinking about, not be thinking your own thoughts, like essentially seeing the thoughts that someone else has thought, seeing the mm -hmm. creation of someone else. And it's such a, an escape. But then after you finish it, you just don't feel as satisfied as you would if you had spent an hour creating something of your own. And it's so much harder to, to sit down, like you were saying, to sit down and write for two hours or to, to play the guitar or to play a sport or like practice a sport or go mm -hmm. running. Like the beginning is so tough, but I feel mm -hmm. like 80% of the battle is just starting, starting to do it. And then there's that, that topic of focus. And I watched a, an interesting video. There's a YouTube channel called big think that I really mm -hmm. like. And <clears throat> one of the, one of the interviews that I saw was with this guy and he wrote biographies of very, I think that's what he did. He wrote biographies of very successful people, like amazing people like mm -hmm. Richard Feynman and like Isaac Newton. And he was talking about the, the one common character trait of geniuses. The thing that you see is true across the board. And some people think that, Oh, you know, like geniuses are very socially awkward and have trouble connecting with people. And if you look at someone like Isaac Newton, that's definitely true. I think he was autistic or had Asperger's mm -hmm. or something like that. But then you look at someone like very like Richard Feynman, who was one of the great physicists of the 20th century, and he was very outgoing. You know, like slept with a lot of women. You know, he like didn't have any problem connecting with people. Right. But he said the one the the author of the or the the 
the person in the Big Think video said the one common character trait is an ability to focus for an extended period of time mm-hmm. on something. And it just, it rang so true. You know, I find like, I really like to practice, um, writing, just writing down my thoughts. And what I try to do is just sit down and for an hour, just write anything that comes to mind. It could be, it could be, Oh, that, that couch in front of me is green. But then I find that after it takes about half an hour and then the good starts, the good thoughts start coming, the good insights start coming. It's not, not at the beginning. It's after doing it for a Mm -hmm. long time because your brain is just so in gear at that point. But to get to that point, you obviously, you know, by definition, just need that ability to focus for an extended period of time. Mm -hmm. So man, I just, I I love, (laughs) I love, love hearing, hearing that. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes the toughest thing is just to start. There are so many obstacles because our brains start thinking like, well, if I sit down and I have to get a notebook and a pen or whatever, my laptop, and then I'm staring at like the screen and I'm trying to be creative. It's like we can talk ourselves out of that, you know, three minutes to get focused on that. And I think the battle, you know, with this consumption versus production or creation is that there's so many distractions. All you have to do is glance at your iPhone and there's already stuff loaded up and ready to go. Text messages, Snapchats, alerts from Facebook, whatever. So it's just like, there are all these traps that are just making it so much easier to consume than to create. And, um, you know, there's this music producer, Rick Rubin, who I really never learned much about, but I noticed he's produced some major, major uh, music from, like, the Beastie Boys to, like, uh, Jay-Z and a whole bunch of, like, other super famous people. And uh, he gives this assignment to some of his musicians when they're having a block, like they're trying to put together an album, and they need to have, you know, 12 tracks and maybe they have one or two really good songs and they know that they have to do more, for example. So he says, I just want you to go home and write the first word to that song or just write down one note if they're creating like the music, just write one. And it's like this super simple, like if he were your teacher or mentor or you were paying him to produce your album and he said, just write down one word, you'd be like, all right, I can do that. And I think his brilliance his zen his his wisdom in giving that assignment is that once you write down one word the next word is going to follow and once you have two words three is not that far away and then you know then you're sitting there you know your ass is in the chair you got a pen you got a notebook and then all of a sudden you've written a song and i think that's how creativity works is it's just a matter of like priming your mind and sometimes you have to trick yourself into just starting you know yeah man i wish i wish the audio could could capture the number of times i nodded as you were as you were speaking (laughs) because it's just it's so it's so true just that I was thinking thinking about that a lot. Just the the value in getting those tiny wins, you know, that tiny like there, mm-hmm. there's this story. It's a uh, Tony Robbins was was hired by the U.S. military to improve their shooting program, and what he did was he moved all the targets way like 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 halved the distance between the shooters and the targets so then they got it into their subconscious mind that they were hitting those bullseyes it was really easy but they still just felt the feeling of doing that and that just built confidence in them and i think that improved the shooting program more than any 
anything else had and yeah it's just a little just like getting getting the foot in the door of the creative process you know that's so important i think that's yeah that's fantastic and really like like honestly if someone had asked me that question of like what what do you think is a an underrated problem or under discussed problem like that is just to reiterate like that is i think the problem and obviously in the the developed world the world with iphones and where we do have all these these easy streams of entertainment that can come come to us like i really think that that is the the cause of so much dissatisfaction in life uh, i don't know i just really think that is like that's that's spot on i'm so so happy you said that that's that's great um let's see what um what what question if any do you ask yourself on a regular basis like i know i I feel like we talk about tim ferris a lot in this podcast but he he always asks this question to himself what would what would this look like if it were easy and uh hey mom (laughs) what what would this look like if it were if it were easy and that how i like to do to to think about that is like for example when i when i'm trying to learn a new skill i i always practice less than i feel i should or than, than i want to say i want to to like i've been learning the guitar recently and i'll just practice for 15 minutes a day and i always feel like i could go go longer than that but i think the key is just making it so easy that doing it every single day doesn't feel like a chore. You know, like it, it, it feels like something that you can just push over and like blast through. And for example, they say that if you uh, like, and as another example, they say that if you want to start flossing your teeth, it's best to just start with your two front teeth, just make it so easy and ingrain that habit. And then you can build upon it. So do you, do you have a, a question like that, that you, that you ask yourself or just that you ask of, of other people? Well, I don't know if I formally asked myself a question uh, to to get myself going, or I'm maybe you could can you put it in different words because I want to I might have a way of doing this that I yeah. just, it hasn't like triggered it. Yeah, yet, maybe maybe not not a question, but just a quote that you think to yourself very very repeated, oh, very, yeah. very frequently. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I do have one for you and. And actually, I, I use this even though I might not consciously think of it every day or every... But this one resonates with me because I think not a week goes by where I don't think of it at some point. So it's by Benjamin Graham, and he was uh, Warren Buffett's mentor. Buffett went and took his course at Columbia because he was so inspired by um, this book that he wrote. And uh, Ben Graham said every day he tried to do something creative something foolish and something generous and i mean i feel like if i think those are words to live by because it's not really giving you any specific on what you should be doing but um i think the the foolish one just to pick something out i think it's good to do something that doesn't have a a meaning or a reason why you're doing it and i think that's one of the things that happens when you get older as you know adults or kind of trained to like be responsible and if you're doing everything because it's practical or there's some good outcome i don't think you're gonna invent anything or you're not gonna be really so i like to do stuff where other people might look at it and say like that's a really foolish use of your time because it's not going to amount to anything 
So that's the foolish. The creative is just like it's fun to make new things. It's exciting. I think if you're living your life and you're not doing something new or trying something new, then you're you're going to be bored. Or at least I would be. And then the generous part is I just think, um, you know, I, I sometimes need to be kind of pushed a little to do something for somebody else to benefit somebody or some something beyond just myself and it's easy i think to just not because you have so many hours in a day but every time i do some effort you know i've been um tutoring lately and helping other people with their reading or writing or math or something and the the feeling of seeing somebody else grow because of something i shared is just an incredible it's just like this incredible gift that you give yourself by being generous, which I know no sounds weird, but it was something I probably didn't experience a lot. And I think when you're in your earlier years, your teenage or your twenties, or you know maybe you just you're just trying to take care of your own life, so you're not really thinking about helping other people. It's it's natural. But as I've gotten a little bit older, I started to really feel like that's an incredibly powerful thing, you know. It also makes you feel good, like that you can help other people out. You know, it's sort of like you get a certain strength and skill level where now you're not dependent on other people to help you. You can help other people. Yeah. So, anyways, that's it. Do something creative, something foolish, and something generous. Man, I I love that, especially like the. I uh, I love every part of it, but that that like doing something foolish, something that doesn't doesn't seem to have a point. Aside from just doing, you know, like, like, for example, uh, you know, you, you think about, like, I know you and I both do kendama from time to time. That's that mm-hmm. little Japanese wooden instrument where you try and get a ball into yeah. a cup or onto a spike. And there's yeah. no, aside from maybe the social benefit of showing off. And that's not like the, you know, the women aren't seeing the men using kendamas and thinking, oh my God, he can use a kendama so well. It's not like, even if you look at it from that, that point of view, there really (laughs) isn't, isn't too much you get from using a kendama aside from the, just the, the joy of using a kendama, but uh, maybe joy is too strong a word, Mm -hmm. but just the, uh, the satisfaction and the, the break from the monotony. But I, I just think that like, doing little things like that they they pay off in funny ways that you might not even expect mm-hmm. that they would like i remember sure. I, I i practiced that a bit last year and then i worked at a summer camp this past summer and all the kids were really into kendama so yeah. uh, you know it was just fun to be like hey give me that and then, it's just fun to be able to do things even if they don't seem to have a, an uh and uh like any any point aside from just just doing it wow whoa what are we what are we working with yeah, here? yeah. what are we working with here so yeah. i i bought a bunch of these uh i think i've had these a couple of years oh. and i didn't find a use for them right away but i um threw them in my backpack today this is the first time out of the house for this bags of uh anyone want to guess what they are here so um what i thought i'd do is is just bring them out with me today. So these are marbles, and um, I think I was going to use them as part of a photo project. Okay. But like sometimes the things don't come together. Uh-huh. And then I was thinking of getting some plants, you know, to do this living wall. And I just thought, hey, maybe I've seen air plants sometimes, and I thought it would be cool to maybe use marbles yeah. in yeah, yeah. Some, some way as either like putting the plants around the marbles or the marble, whatever. But sometimes I think it's just cool to bring something with you during the course of the day something that's kind of uh 
different and you never know you might find somebody who you could just give them to yeah you know exactly. you might yeah, be at a yeah. cafe an and opportunity like, for generosity you know yeah, yeah. yeah. or doing something i mean because because a marble is probably one of the least practical things you could really have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. how yeah. many times in the course of a day are you like oh if i just had a marble <laughs> you know, yeah, then, yeah, this yeah. Was, then i could get this thing to work yeah you know but anyways i think it's fun to just have stuff around that's kind of like that yeah. you know and just injecting things that are totally playful and, you know, meaningless. Because you, you never know how things are going to, you know, work out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such a such a good point. And also that, that thing you said about generosity, too. That's definitely been something that I I maybe have struggled with just, like, out of, like, selfishness or, or what have you, like, growing up. I just didn't, didn't think of other people too much. And it's funny because some people... I think there's like an intrinsic need in people to people want to give back or maybe maybe that's just generated by a society or I, I don't know why. But for whatever reason, I hear people say I, I want to help, but often they, they feel like they don't know how. Mm-hmm. And right. it can be so simple. You know, you don't need to you don't need to work at a nonprofit. It can be as simple as just cooking dinner for your friends or even mm-hmm. like just just uh just buying like giving your friends a couple of free beers you know or cleaning up the, if you live in a house with other people just mm-hmm. just doing the dishes it's it's the little things you know it can so easily be it's so much better to do a couple little things than just spend an hour thinking and wondering why you can't give back to people or how like like how or like wondering about how to give back to people and then not actually doing it. Like mm-hmm. I'm such a huge proponent proponent of action and just like sure. actually making something happen. And you know, like like these marbles that you could you could if you had you know you have like five five bags of them. If you met someone and they had a kid, then you could just give give them yeah to the kid as a gift. You know, and that's you probably just made that kid's day. That's right. Know, like, and you'd be yeah. fulfilling your mission of doing something creative, something foolish, something generous because it's like oh. I'm living on point. Yeah. I've got my generosity done for the day. Yeah. So it helps you too, you know? And if everybody were to think or act that way, we'd all be helping each other out. We'd all be generous with each other, with our time or our efforts or our stuff. And, you know, it it could only create more good stuff in the world. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, yeah, I just wish that more people live, live with that motto. I think the world would be a much better place. Yeah. And also like you love soccer and golf and you know, you're at a place, who knows, maybe you'll want to like teach some people who are just starting out, you know, kids or something, just be there. I mean, kids look up so much to, you know, to any teacher. And so if you can show them how to kick a ball or how to do something, that you've learned somewhere playing soccer in your youth, you know, and help them. They'd be so great. I mean, that's this incredible generosity. Some people don't think of generosity as just like teaching someone something. Oh, I think that's one of the most, most generous things you can do. And it's funny because it's an easy thing to do a lot of the time. Not, not the literal act of teaching, but it's just, it's not like you're, you're shoveling gravel, you know, it's a, it's more fun. You get to interact with another people, but just the, the, like, I wish that I had had, more more coaching and golf mm-hmm. and soccer at an early age uh it's crazy the the amount of difference that a little tip can make like i remember i i started playing soccer when i was 16 and my coach he he was he had never coached soccer before he'd never read a book on coaching soccer he'd never mm-hmm. been to a soccer coaching class and he was good at playing soccer but maybe not that great at coaching and then yeah. i went to a soccer camp the summer after my my 
senior year at high school, which, you know, is something that most kids do when they're 11. Yeah. But, and I, I was, was one of the older kids there. I think I was a year past the cutoff line for the camp. But mm-hmm. I, I talked to the, the coach, and he, he let me go. And there were just a couple of tics, tips that I picked up that completely redefined the way I think about soccer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, just those little little bits of experience can or of knowledge can just make such a difference yeah, in someone's life. totally. Yeah. Um, also, I um, most of the sports I've liked are are somewhat like one or two person sports. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't played a lot of team sports, but yeah. over um, over Thanksgiving we had a little soccer game, really informal, just yeah. with me and my nephew and my sister and my dad and my brother in law, and uh, it was just we used some trees in this park as the goals. Yeah. And it was totally yeah, fun, yeah. and there were just a couple moments, like even though we were totally just playing it, w- it wasn't like we were going all out i mean it's it, the ages were literally the youngest player was seven and the oldest player was 86 so it would but it was like um because we had such a variation of like ages and skill levels you wanted to be like helpful to people so like kick a ball so that it was like right at someone's foot yeah. you know make it easy yeah. collaborate yeah and one thing i just noticed was that the pressure was off because i wasn't really like trying really hard like oh i better score a goal yeah i was actually trying not to score goals yeah you know like yeah. help other people yeah. Yeah, yeah but one thing i noticed was and i have played very little soccer was that without trying too hard i was actually able to just kick the ball so it was like literally like right in front of someone's foot so they didn't have to lunge Uh and then um you know like uh, we were just like pass pass i didn't even think about it but like i scored a goal Mm -hmm. and it was just like i got a pass from someone and i was subconscious or like yeah you didn't think oh i'm gonna take a shot now i was actually not wanting to score which is crazy but it was it was like i was actually not how to put it i was not only not thinking about the result i was not trying for the result yeah yeah, yeah. but someone passed it right to me and i was just happened to be like moving in front of the goal and the ball was like literally like right on the on the instep of my foot Uh and the goalie was leaning towards his left and i just kicked it but i kicked it like somehow just behind him yeah just to his right Uh and it's it's really weird like it was only maybe a foot or two away from him Mm -hmm. but because he was already moving in the other direction which is you know like it was almost impossible for him to actually move back and what what was really for me kind of exciting was that even though i haven't played much soccer um i had this feeling in that just like fraction of a second of like what that team teamwork is like when people are kind of connected yeah and you know finally i got it like why these people watch soccer and soccer fans and all this excitement i think until you experience what it's like to connect with other people yeah. in that team work kind of and score a goal or assist a goal yeah. you know soccer is like an abstract thing yeah but once you've played it you can really like feel the excitement of like connecting so i think that's a huge thing like if you can share that with kids or anyone learning how to be part of a team and help out that's yeah. a great thing to have yeah it's it's amazing that that it's, it's so not you you just don't think to yourself i i've never thought to, I, I can think of one time 
I thought to myself, I'm going to take a shot now and, and score the goal. But aside from that, it's always just very in the moment, very, uh, very subconscious or uh, unconscious, uh, that, that feeling, but it, it, you know, it's great. Like that, that connection with another person, like you were saying, and just like scoring or assisting or, um, making a good pass it you know it's pretty magical to yeah to get that opportunity but i think that like probably one of the reasons why you're good at it is i you know if you 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 know you play a lot of tennis Mm -hmm. i feel like if you get better at one sport that will make it easier to learn pretty much any sport because you just understand how a ball reacts when you do something to it you know it's funny to see people who have never never thrown a ball before or never kicked a ball before or never caught a ball before there's just that mm-hmm. misunderstanding of the way that the the matter flies through space and how mm-hmm. you can interact with it. And the more you do it in in any context, like it, you, if you juggle, you will be better at playing catch. You know, like mm-hmm. the, the just it, it's wonderful how it all kind of links together. I think it's a bit like math where if you understand one mathematical concept it'll probably be easier for you to grasp another mathematical concept it all just links together very nicely and sadly i think that i uh <laughs> yeah well, we might need to call it right, right. Now, but this is okay. fun. yeah yeah sure. this is great um i thank you so much for interviewing and asking the questions i thought the questions were awesome and it's nice to be interviewed you know yeah yeah it's a lot of fun i yeah i love that that time that you interviewed me i really just wanted to return the favor because that yeah it's it's a great time nice well thank you and and let's keep this going all right yeah let's do it okay (laughs) 